0: Hello everyone and welcome to another Arts Equator podcast. We are talking about the local shows in the Singapore International Festival of Arts 2017. I have with me in the studio today the great long-awaited return of Kathy Rowland. <laughs> Say hello, Kathy. Hello. Hello, Kathy. <laughs> I have a newcomer, Elaine Chu. Hello. And uh, Elaine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, uh,
1: I will do. I am a short story writer, or a fiction writer really, and I have just graduated um, with a master's degree in art history from La Salle, looking for a job.
0: (laughs) So if anybody's listening out there. Exactly. (laughs) Later, we'll also be joined by Nain Kapadia to discuss a couple of other shows. But let's start first with Becoming Graphic by Sunny Liu and Edith Podesta. Sonny Liu's been in the news quite a lot because of his somewhat controversial, at least from the Singapore government's standpoint, and multiple Eisner Award-winning graphic novels. So, becoming graphic, uh, thoughts? Let's begin with Kathy.
2: So, I think that this is probably one of the most anticipated festival commissions, just because, you know, uh, one, because it's Sonny Liu and Edith Podesta, both separately award-winning Artists in their own right, but also a question of timing because the commission would have happened much earlier. But just before the show opened, there was a whole kerfuffle about him winning the award and the rather restrained, shall we say, official um, congratulations that he received. So already, you know, all of these things factor in to create a big buzz for the work. For me, I was disappointed Mm. by what I saw on stage. And It actually felt like a peak of anticipation, walking in there, hearing the Bonnie Ann song and just seeing the stage. The staging of it was so fantastic because you could see just the bones of all the production. And, you know, it was all promising. And then it just really unraveled for me and lost me completely about one quarter of the way through.
0: Was that uh, your take as well, Elaine?
2: Yes, I found this four sort of
1: storylines a little bit confusing. And I think there's a tendency for me, because I really did love the art of Charlie Chan Hok Chai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read it and I loved it. And so in some ways, perhaps I walked in with that sort of expectation that it would be a little bit like that, even with all the cutting back and forth between the creator's story as well as the protagonist created by the creator. That story, that sort of metanarrative type of structure. Yeah. I sort of thought it would be a little bit like that, because in Charlie Chan Hok Chai, there is a hook that a framing device that sort of encapsulated the whole thing. And that's the story of Charlie himself. You know, the timeline is actually his life. Yeah. Here, I was lost. I just wasn't sure what that entire framing device was.
0: Well, it's interesting you mentioned framing device because I walked in and I saw the Foley station. Now, for Mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, that's the classic example is coconut hooves for a horse. It's creating live sound effects mm-hmm. for a radio show. Mm-hmm. Because going in, I was thinking, what is going to be the theatrical analogue for a graphic novel? Right. And I walked in and I saw the Foley station and I thought, oh, that might work. Analog's that might actually word. be <laughs> yeah. it.
1: I was intrigued by that. I thought it was quite entertaining to watch. How it hangs together, though, is a different issue. Well,
0: the thing it? is, it wasn't Foley. It was fake Foley.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They
0: played around with it for a little bit at the start, but there was a never a point where they were actually creating live sound effects that weren't also supplemented by pre-recorded sound design, mm-hmm. which really dilutes its impact. And then later in the production, they just kind of abandoned it. Didn't
2: that's they? the that's my problem because it starts off okay, it's, and, and cohesively it worked because you've got a radio show, you've yep. got Sunny making the work, and so the sound effects uh, you know relate both to him creating the comic and the animation of, the sc- of of it behind, you know, on the screen, as well as for the radio show. And then they kind of just moved on to something else, right? Yeah. So then you had Crispin Chan, who, gosh, talk about committed to his role, right? In the <laughs> so face he was playing off, the
0: big, booming superhero voices.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, there were moments of joy and 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 humor in the entire evening, I have to say, that, you know, um, yeah. helped a lot. But, yeah, there, there seemed to be an inability to take an idea and stick with it. It just seems like someone who got distracted along the way, oh, I'll try this now. No, let's move on to this.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a disjointed feel for me. I mean, I suppose you could say that it was tied loosely together by this thematic that, you know, it's about the art of dying and the suffering of the elderly and that sort of that main thematic strain that sort of runs through all the different storylines. The problem for me, though, was a matter of tone. I really felt that that message was quite didactic. It was quite, Mm -hmm. it was really in your face. And it was rendered in this voiceover that was really very, I don't know, it seemed to vacillate between being jocular and hectoring almost. Mm -hmm. And the words themselves, the word bubbles that were projected on the screen behind, they were almost banal in the sense that i mean i can't remember exactly what was some of them but i think one of them sort of said you know the we are aging almost from the moment we are born yeah well yes and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> quite mm-hmm.
0: yeah no one's ever said that before it's such a shame because Last year, my favourite production of the entire year was Edith Podesta's Bitch, and it was Mm. so coherent, despite the fact that the first, second, and third acts were incredibly stylistically different. Mm -hmm. And yet with this show, it looks like she hasn't found a way in, or rather she's found too many ways in and not actually got past the front door.
1: I think this is the problem of translation, when you're trying to mesh two genres together, comic and theatre. What actually, I think a lot of the word bubbles for me, you know... I think she was perhaps trying to capture Sonny's voice. Yeah. And in Charlie Chan Hock Chai, a lot of that sort of very simplistic way of saying things works very well. Because yeah. all you have is really the space of a mm-hmm. wood balloon. So you really have to be quite succinct. Yeah. And I think and, it and works very well. It. But another thing is that it's actually read silently by the reader. Yeah, and that's a good Whereas point. on stage, all of a sudden, you have this performativity to it. It's, there is a voiceover, we're expecting more, it's theatre. And I sort of feel as if something was lost in that translation.
0: Well, as what well is as that, you've got choices when you're reading a graphic novel. You can read it for the text, in which case it goes by very fast. Mm-hmm. You can read it for the art, in which case you get to engage with it on a personal level but becoming graphic just, it it went past at exactly the wrong pace for me. It's too slow if I'm reading it to myself, but it doesn't have the sustained interest of looking at the art if I want to invest in it, because although, as Cathy says, the space was laid out nicely, it was not used interestingly.
1: I agree with that. Actually, I felt the set was really unbalanced. All the action seemed to be happening on one side of the stage Mm -hmm. and also in the back where the projection was. But... In the front, all you really had was Sonny who was drawing and as mesmerising. That was actually very mesmerising. So I yeah. I do enjoy watching him draw. Unfortunately, he was static. He's sitting behind his desk while he's drawing. So that not much is really happening there. And on the far right of the stage, I wasn't exactly sure what they were doing.
0: Yeah. So some problems with that production. We are joined now by Naeem Kapadia. Hello. Hello. Hi, With that, we'll move on to the next production we're going to talk about Art Studio by Nine Years Theatre, directed by Nelson Cha, adapted from a novel by Yang Pueng On.
2: So, uh, Yang Pueng On, it was a Cultural Medallion winner, and this particular novel, Art Studio, won the Singapore Literary Prize a couple of years ago, right? Yes. So, it's interesting because it's the second work that we're discussing that is playing, it makes a journey from one form to the other, like becoming graphic. And for me in this production, first of all, it was three hours long. Yes. And it's not a production for the faint-hearted uh, because, you yeah. know, it's long and it's intense and there are many, many characters in it. But I actually really loved it. It was a work that really tested your patience, I think, as an audience member. But the mm. payload, at the end of it, was something that you rarely find in a in a piece of theatre where you become so invested in the characters that you want to know what's happening to them mm. and I think the most interesting thing for me was the way that the work and Nelson really paid an homage not just to the writer but to the novel form in the staging Naim, what did you think?
3: Yeah, I and I think I'm completely with you you know I literally spent the first hour of the production feeling this is so much exposition it's such a slog where is it going but you know if it really rewards the patient because when you get to the second half, when you see the story arcs completing, when you see where these characters go, and it is an epic novel, um, I should just say it spans 40, 50 years from the 1960s all the way to the present day, and it concerns this group of art students and basically the lives and their choices, in, in both in terms of their craft as well as their personal lives, and it intersects with politics it's really huge in terms yeah. of It's scope And I think It's a fantastic um, You know Slice of Everyday Singaporean life And also about The struggle That artists face Um, And it's nice Just seeing that Completion at the end of it So you know Yeah I think I'm with you Where I just felt I was lovely Coming to the end of that production and just seeing that effort—not just you know in terms of the characters, but I think of this incredible company of actors who have trained oh, yeah. so hard in in obviously yeah. the the Suzuki method, uh, which which Nelson employs and which he has been now consistently using across the past few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean
0: for me it. The first half, uh, the interval, I was just, oh my God, do I have to go back in? It's so long. I was so tempted to leave. And it's one of those rare cases it almost never happens where I'm so glad I went back in. Yeah. Because the first half is entirely divergent. You've no sense of time. It appears like an eternity because there's no structure that ever feels like it will converge again. Yes. But the interval is actually a really sharp pivot. And within about three minutes of, of coming back after the interval, it was clear that we were going to close in and, and focus very clearly on a point. Mm-hmm. And even as name was talking about the staging, the acting, all of that just kind of took on a new verve and a new focus. And we could tell we were in the home stretch. And it brought together something aesthetically that thematically seemed very loose. And you can get away with that in a novel, but it usually doesn't work for a play. And I can't exactly say really what the themes were particularly, except that by the end of the experience, it did feel thematically and aesthetically complete. Mm-hmm. I might have cut the thread about Big Beard and the communists in the woods. I think that was a bit draggy. Oh, and the didn't... beard
2: was really quite tragic. and uh,
0: The wig and the beard were quite uh, uh, budget, were I don't quite think, was very large. strong
2: in the production. For some yeah. Reason. Yeah. Um, what did you think about you know, the set? They had these... Um, kind of almost translucent so yes, arches, um sort of right? arches which interlocked were, together
3: yeah configured um so the set was was it was it Wong Chi Wai I, I think I was going to say mm-hmm. yeah I know I think it, it's actually very much in character with Nelson's aesthetic just I've seen his last few productions and it's always this elegant and crisp are the words that always come to mind you know I feel that he sort of deploys his sets and his characters in a very precise and measured way and I really felt that in this novel there, there is obviously the sprawling text but there's this incredible economy to the way in which he he uses his characters and I think I read one of the reviews which summed it up very well like like basically colors on a piece of painting mm. he knows exactly where to yeah. place them you know um they're sort of melting into the background as the ensemble and then they sort of step forward and they embody the different characters right. very beautifully but never drawing that excessive attention to themselves
0: and And, that's certain that's so appropriate to the idea of the art studio you've got your foreground your background it's very clear what the focus is it's very curated way of looking at the world extremely well handled
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and I think also the the sense of creating different kind of you know chapters someone who was watching with me said you know those interlocking kind of pillars reminded her of just chapters of moving through right yeah and One other thing that I liked, I think, was, you know, we talked about the slowness of it, right? Mm. And, you know, everything gets so truncated nowadays. But it did remind me of, you know, falling really deeply into a really thick novel, Uh. right? You know, you, you start off really excited. There's a middle point when you think, okay, you know, i got to get to the end, you know. <laughs> and then when you get to the end, you kind of slow your pace. For me, I sometimes slow my pace because I, I know it's going to be amazing and I want yeah. to really prolong that moment again.
0: You see, this is an argument people always make and it's an argument I never buy. Uh, what was that piece on Kingsend did two years ago, 2015? Uh, the Incredible Adventures of Border Crossers.
3: Five hours or something.
0: I mean, yeah, just yeah. nonsense. Just, it, Wait, you stay in there because you hate yourself. That's why you stay in there. But this time, I bought it. By the end of it, I thought, yes, the duration I spent in here did make it more than the sum of its parts. It was a surprise to me. I almost never feel that.
2: Yeah. Speaking of duration, we have to. Oh, we move, must move along you know, speedily along because we want to cover two more shows before we end this podcast. Um... Dragonflies was written by Stephanie Street, a Singapore-born UK-based playwright and produced um, directed by Tracy Pang with Adrian Pang in the central role, at another festival commission. And if I'm not wrong, it's the first time then Pangdemonium is making its appearance in Cifa. In Cifa.
3: So, yes, that's right.
2: Yeah.
0: Fairly um, young company, of course.
2: Yeah, but one that's really carved, uh, you know, quite a big yeah. a big strapping reputation for itself in yeah. this short time.
0: Especially now I think that they are staging original work. Yes. I think that is a leap that they've taken quite confidently and it's really wonderful to see.
3: So, thoughts, Naeem, you saw this one? I did see Dragonflies. Um, And actually for me, Dragonflies was just really a very, very strong production. Um, It's the sort of production that makes you feel, wow, this is the sort of Singapore show which I can actually see playing in London and which people should come and watch. And and one of the comments I, I remember making was that, you know, there's so many plays that obviously the theme is here about this broken, dislocated world. It's set in 2021, post-Brexit, you know, there's there's this mass immigration, rising racism and all that. Um, and, you know, the, the many plays, many pieces of writing that, that sort of touch on this issue of economic dislocation and all that. But I think what worked for me was that it was truly international. You see that this is not a Singapore issue, neither is this a London issue. This is something that happens all over the world. And I think the point that really rammed it in for me was there was this point where I think... um, uh in Singapore, you have this element of racism where you know the Chinese person is sort of making a jibe against the Bangladeshi worker. but then you have another scene set in India where the chinese looking Indian is sort of reviled by the northern Indians, so you have that almost reverse element, yeah, wherever you are, you are gonna be an outsider this this element of the other is always going to persist, and I think that was that that element of you know um you're never going to quite fit or never going to belong was very, very, um, you know, powerfully brought and conveyed. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Man, you liked it, right?
0: I quite liked it. I appreciated the craft. If you say, how do you do a play, mm-hmm. then this would be an answer to that question. It's not formally very adventurous in the way that, for all the, that it probably failed, becoming graphic was formally adventurous, but it's a good strong well-made play it's a
2: well-made play i exactly. tend
0: not to be incredibly excited by well-made plays with a few exceptions when they really managed to hit me emotionally deep mm-hmm. and i think this one was perhaps a little bit too necessarily scattershot to really hit me on an emotional level because it has a lot of intercontinental ground to cover Mm-hmm. nonetheless, I, I can't imagine people coming out of that and thinking that they didn't get their money's worth or see something that was worth seeing. Okay. And yet, doubt on your I'm face, Cathy.
2: Um, yeah. You know, I think for me, maybe the problem was it was so well made and the mm-hmm. even-handedness that I think you're mentioning, you know, that, that um, it seemed to have... Such a studied desire to to reflect that racism is universal. That you know any majority, you know,
3: mm.
2: uh, forms an oppressive majority. The minute you you know you become part of the minority, you know your status changes. Yeah. Right. So you have these characters who, in one space, might be the privileged, and then when they move, their position changes. So I think it you know it was an attempt to talk about you know racism or bigotry or minority majority issues in a way that was very human. And, you know, it created characters that you could relate to. So for all of those reasons, I can see why, you know, why it would would work. I just felt that it, it felt very old fashioned to me
0: yeah no, I, I agree. It's in that kind of uncanny valley where it's it's supposed to be real, but it's not. Mm-hmm. The acting style is broadly under naturalism, but if someone acted that way in real life, you'd you'd look at them a little bit funny. Mm. You know, and that happens on stage. That is the standard mode of operation in theater. Mm. I guess for an arts festival, maybe we have slightly more cutting edge
2: Perhaps, yeah. hopes. What I will say is that, you know, so two points, one for and against. Um, uh, One for is that the evening that I saw it, I mean, I was surrounded. Everywhere around me were really young. I think they were teenagers Mm. or maybe college students, and they were just pesky to begin with, you know. I mean, yeah. You know, before the show starts, yeah. they're you know taking selfies. Were
0: they all going? Shh,
2: sh- 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 sh-
0: Why you know? do they all go
2: shh <laughs> to each when other? And then breaking out the giggles, on. you know. I'm an old cynical hag, right? Yeah. But um, <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go with. <laughs>
2: don't agree so quickly. <laughs> um, but then, you know, as the performance went, and I was you know restless because oh yes, I know these things. I've read these things. I know all these things. Yeah. These kids were just completely engaged and you know, they I could hear them sniffing. They were yeah. and that's the beauty of theatre is that I could see it being enacted on the people around me, right? And for that, I love what Pangdemonium did. I love that Kingston programmed a work like this yes. festival.
0: Yeah. I think that's right. And I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I apparently all my former students went to see it the night I was sitting I saw there it. with them, obviously. And they were coming out crying. Mm -hmm. And I did have this revelation. Yes, she's put on stage the world that we have fucked up for these people. You know, everybody in here is, uh, let's say, not of that age. Mm -hmm. We've had rather better of the world than we seem to have bequeathed Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And and putting that on stage in a powerful way, you know, maybe this play isn't quite for us, but maybe it should be for us. Maybe we should be able to empathize with that viewpoint a little bit more strongly.
2: So can I kind of then also say that that i didn't like right go for it okay so and y'all can challenge me on this i really hated the ending oh my god i mm. just thought this you know it was
0: should we fill in the details a little yes, bit could you so we um the entire play is set between the uk and singapore we've got this middle class singaporean slash british family they because of regulation changes it's not clear where they can live In the end, they lose all kinds of money and they end up in North India in a flood as refugee workers and Mm -hmm. are still confronted. I guess this is where you feel the hopelessness, are still confronted by the troubles with racism that go on. For me,
2: if it had ended in the hospital when the sister and Adrian have that moment... And it's a dark, difficult moment.
0: Now, that's when their right. mother has just, the um, just, just died. died after right. a racially caused riot. She got injured in that. Yeah.
2: And that kind of both, you know, connection and bleakness would have been perfect. But no, they, despite everything appearing, they have lost everything. They somehow have enough agency to set up an NGO.
0: In Northern. Oh, you India. felt that they had set it up. Is that was that yes, a script? What it was. Yes, they had set, oh,
3: it up. set it up. Yeah, right. I thought they so, just joined somebody. Yeah, no. And actually, actually, Kathy, I did not feel that it was a hopeless ending. I think for me, mm-hmm. the ending was what made it somewhat hopeful because it was actually a very depressing play. This is quite plausibly the world we are we have created yeah. and we are heading into. And you know, instead of giving up and and, and crying crying foul and all of that, mm-hmm. what have these two people done? They have moved to a third world country and they're helping other people. And obviously there is that very neat, almost like you know, um convenient pairing with the the daughter and this this um Bangladeshi worker yeah. and and you know she's revealed to be pregnant with his child mm-hmm. and a new child is born. But you know, for me it's just that idea of you know, you throw someone in the worst possible circumstances, but they somehow survive and it's that human spirit that ultimately endures. So maybe there is a little bit of hope for us yet. Okay. That, that that That's the sort of... Yeah, no, I, I, I got I, that as well.
2: You know, I, I saw it as, gosh, you know, this is a bit of a kind of, you know, white saviour complex. Sorry. Well, no, she you know just what, really I did kind of get that as well.
0: Way. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's white exactly, because obviously Adrian Pang is Chinese and... Selma Alkaf is presented as a uh, white, white in the play, although, is, although in fact she I use white meaning,
2: you know, it could be anything. Majority, but, the sense but that, privilege. It's yes, pr- yes. about
0: privilege, yeah. yeah. I did get a sense of that 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 was a little uninvestigated, mm. that if we're talking about we follow the journey of this middle-class family as they've yeah. been shunted hither yeah. and yon between the continents, yeah. and yet they kind of basically end up okay at the end. Contrast that with the developing world refugees, and you do sort of get the question, well, why are we focusing on the middle class people again? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we actually getting the story about people who objectively yeah. suffer more? Yeah. So that was a little problematic for me. But on the other hand, I did get the sense of hope that Naeem is talking yeah. about.
3: Okay. So for me, that's yeah, yeah. sort so of... So I
2: can see, yeah, I can see you're both you both want to believe that the world's a wonderful place. Yeah, well,
3: I mean <laughs> Well, with you and Kathy who said I should <laughs> also add the one thing. So I mean, I generally thought it was a very strong production and great that Pandemonium is staging um in, in fact restaging it next year now as one of their main yeah. mm-hmm. season productions so yeah. more people can see it and that that's great. Um the thing that I was a little sort of unsure about is I felt the play was just a little it felt like a mixture of two plays because you know mm. i felt okay well i lived in in the uk for several years and i felt a very strong kind of national theatre sort of you know a good yeah. classic yes, it a was good very classic english theater. play vibe mm. which obviously reflects stephanie's own experience and then it sort of tries to be this singaporean ish mm. comedy and there's like hokkien and dialogue and the almost excessively racist um you know singaporean character And then all these like, um, you know, very studied references to food and things I just thought it felt a little deliberate in the middle Like, oh, we are in Singapore, let's make it very clear that we are Um, And then again, it sort of goes back to that international kind of um, feel at the end mm-hmm. where you know it ends on this potentially optimistic note so that's where I thought it felt a little disjointed but I thought the ending because obviously there it comes full circle you get a glimpse of of what's happening in the beginning and you're not right. quite sure and then it's revealed that the daughter's pregnant so there is that closure and possible optimism so yep. I think overall it was quite well rounded out but yeah the middle part for me I thought
0: it, Not yes, necessarily promise, the
3: strongest yeah. at times.
0: I think you're right. Although I think the cast did a, quite a lot of work to
3: lift that. They did. It was yes. Really quite yeah. We should just ensemble. say that It was but,
2: overall really good performances. Yeah.
3: Very strongly acted. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So coming, going from you know a work that ends with a glimmer of hope. Let's kind of <laughs> you know move right through to Trojan Women. And Elaine, when we were talking just now about becoming graphic, you used the word hectoring. Right. Mm. and um... You're not going to do
0: something with Hector of Troy now, are
2: you? <laughs> Don't Hector me. Oh, um, yeah, so, uh, Matt, would you like to introduce the play?
0: I would. So, it's the Trojan women. It's Euripides. It's bleak, 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 bleak. Everybody gets sold into slavery. Lots of people die. And it's a screed against war, which is probably quite deserved. This time... Done with Koreans in the traditional form known as pansori and directed by On Kang Sen.
2: Elaine, you wrote a
1: smashing review for us. I did love it. I loved the singing. Maybe part of me was just related to the whole whale. Mm. For me, it was pure emotion. And I think that that's just so hard to do for two and a half hours for three nights in a row. And it's not just, I mean, the, the power of Pansori, it actually hinges on three things. It's not just the intensity and the technical ability of the singer. And they train for years. It's also the fact that it has to be authentic. The emotion cannot be fabricated. Yes. And they were, they were crying. Oh, they were I mean, crying. The women I was in the were,
3: second row and God. every single actor had yeah. tears running down their cheeks. That was absolutely Pure emotion. Full I commitment. Think. Yeah.
1: Another thing that I really liked was the fact that it also very much captured the spirit of Euripides' play, you know, which had this very emotional Dionysian mm, element mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. And it really sort of paid tribute to that. But it also had a little bit of the, because it was an adaptation of Sartre's uh, 1965 play. So it also in some ways had this psychological element to it that I liked and it kind of puts me in mind of that notion of, I mean, this is why it it kind of worked really well because it was Greek tragedy, which is Mm. a form of catharsis. Yes. You're really trying to, it's all these sorrows, all these things impinging upon you that you can't control. What can you do? You can, there's a way to express it. And this sort of, in in a way, it's an outlet for that. And I thought it was just beautifully rendered and beautifully done. Yeah. Matt, you
2: had some
1: points that you were not happy with.
0: Mm-hmm. But, I mean, first of all, everything you said, yes. Where are you going to find a more capable cast of performers?
2: Actually, I can't imagine. I literally it, it cannot imagine. It is hard
0: to imagine yeah. a group of people in a venue, all of them being that good. It's, and Ansuk is
1: actually the apotheosis of... Uh, Korean pansori. Yeah, and she's a national form, living treasure.
0: You would assume she was, having seen that production. She
2: she is absolutely. Yeah, and the form. I mean, to to the pairing of the form, I think, which you talked about, you know, but also the way that it requires a response from the audience, right? Traditional mm. pansori needs the calling out from the audience. Indeed. And it, the night that I saw it, there were actually it must have been either people who were familiar with the form, uh, you know, with ah. Korean. They were actually calling out, and really at one point, I mean, it's alien to me, but I. Almost felt like I wanted to kind of you know respond as well, sort of oh, visceral yes. kind of feeling that you get oh, when you watch okay. them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You want to That's do. Really I think on the night we saw it, we just had one of the musicians was doing the call outs. I think I think the audience yeah, not really, definitely really not. Really I, just, I, I saw. I guess if you get yeah. Koreans in, then that will yeah. that will happen probably. Yeah, but no, it does have that sense that it wants something from you. It Wants some pushback. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but no, my problem with it was quite simply on Kang Sen. I think if he had just left them to their own devices, they would have done much the same thing, but better and with less stupid choices along the way.
2: Name some of those stupid choices for us.
0: Vast overhanging sets that limits movement and creates sightline problems from Mm -hmm. the circle. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous juvenile projections. Oh, they mention fire. Let's have an eye of sore on fire on a loop. Oh, this is a little bit philosophical. Let's do space. And... These things are not just projected in the background, they are projected over the actors. Over the actors, It's yeah. a ridiculous choice he's now made twice in a row. He also did it in Sandy Richard. Mm-hmm. And I'll repeat the word, it's juvenile. There's no skill that goes into thinking of that. There's very little skill that goes into creating it. It erases the difference between foreground and background. It erases the actors. You don't know, because, especially because it's amplified, you, you lose track of where people are. You can't see mouths move anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're concentrating on the timbre. And because they're all pushing their voices so hard, the timbre of voices in Pansori is, it's hard to tell one actor from another mm-hmm. simply by vocal timbre. So you're just looking at this kind of, you know when you get cereal, coloured cereal in a bowl of milk? Mm-hmm. And you leave it for half an hour and then you start stirring it. You're looking at that the entire time. It's a mess.
2: Right. No nutritional value whatsoever.
1: No
0: nutritional value. Fortified with zinc. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I do agree on the multimedia use uh, in terms of it being either sort of underutilized or Overutilized. I'm not really sure where I come out. Underthought of it. or like, overutilized. It just feels maybe. as if, and I agree. I mean, one of the elements of panceri that's so important is to be able to see the expressions yes. on the women's faces, and when you superimpose images yeah. on that, you just can't see it. So I agree with that. Mm. I don't know though that I completely agree with the sort of inhibition of movement. I do think that I mean pansy itself it is very limited movement mm. to begin with. So it's meant to sort of everything. It's quite static, The action, right? the problem, yeah. yeah. You're actually supposed to be imagining it just from the voice and the expression yeah. of the singer.
0: Sure, but I'm not necessarily talking about movement. I mean, not knowing the form, I perhaps would have liked that. The, my favourite thing I've ever seen, scheduled by Ong kang Sen, was the chorus Oedipus, which used Koreans in a slightly more avant-garde Western form of opera and use a lot of movement. But even the stage pictures, when you have that ugly set he did not create interesting stage pictures and sometimes they had these red balls of twine which were used for nothing
3: oh Whoa! okay 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 no 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 you see Step i in. i actually thought so i i think you see a lot of it is it's it's just so overwhelming because, and I think it's it's go, it goes back to what you were saying, Elaine. There's it almost brings you back to how it used to be back in the days where you were sitting in you know the amphitheaters, you know in Rome, watching these mm-hmm. this emotion just wash over you, and and I think that's a how a lot of people felt and. I guess what On Kang Sen tried to do is to leave in that with a bit of visual elements as well, so that, you know, as you're watching and letting this music wash over you, there's sort of other kind of visual elements that also help to tell the story. Yeah. And I think alongside that that story of grief, you know, these women who are obviously wailing the plight of their destroyed city and being taken mm. away as slaves and all that, there is this story about about the plight of women in particular. Um and for me, the, those balls of yarn were, were that domestic symbol. Yeah. but, yeah, they're but somehow... it was
0: only a symbol. Yeah. It wasn't used in any way that developed it. I it thought just
3: it presented. Was, I thought I'm it was... Gl- yeah, I'm gl- it wasn't they did, used. They did pull I it. That they it. They did I pull thought it was... An innocuous, innocuous symbol. It's, 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 it's a ball of yarn, but it was somehow deployed as almost a weapon. So there was something menacing about that very homely idea, and then obviously the whole element of the rivers of blood and all that. And I was expecting that; it never happened.
0: Yeah, that was entirely left on the on the table for me.
2: But I think I think for me the you know the 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 idea of the yarn the idea I think exactly domesticness and you know but also the ties you know the the links and the ties for me it really
0: worked again left on the table but you're I, imagining this it wasn't shown it was on fine. stage
2: but you can't I think that it's not fair to say that um, because it wasn't utilized in a way that you would have liked it to they have just been.
3: held it. I think they were doing a little, little more yeah. than holding no, they, they it. They were pulling, at they one were point pulling and it. They it were And, and I, there was quite a, a bit of good choreography yeah. going on, I so think.
2: Some of the movements. Yeah, uh, yeah and
3: I, I thought, look, I mean. Obviously, I don't understand Korean, so you know I was reliant on looking at the subtitles. And yeah. sometimes, you know, they're singing for about thirty seconds, and it's the same line, and mm-hmm. you, your yeah. eye naturally wonders to see what they're yes. doing. And I think that helped just seeing those things. The the, the projections which I grant were. They were a bit obvious. You they, know, did, your... they
2: lacked precision. I mean, that was yeah. my problem with it. Because you oh. had times when, you know, they were projected onto the performers in their white. And then it cut off halfway around their knees
3: because yeah. there was this lack oh, of halfway Or halfway through their face. Yes,
2: or, it you know, it, it just was lazy, I think. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm. Uh, but sorry. But yeah,
3: sorry. yeah. But at least it gives that, that sort of additional visual gloss mm-hmm, to this... Mm-hmm almost unrelenting kind of like sound that's just coming out at you, of the sound of grief. Yeah. So, so I mean, for me, I guess it was just an additional yeah, theatrical
0: sure. element. But it's it's a director's job to put art on the stage. And I think that if you say who was bringing most to that production, then he was bringing least. Mm. Like any other director could have easily done the things he do- mm. did and any competent director would have made better choices. But In much we... the same way that you're talking about.
2: Well, I don't know. I think that, You know, knowing what little I know of the form, I think that Kingston, what he did was he did work with the strengths of the form and the performers, and really it was a gift. I mean, it's a gift to any director to have people like that. The script itself was very strong. But I did think that some of the elements, and I agree with you both and everyone that the staging and the projection was weak, but I think the movement and the way he clustered the women, I think some of the choices in terms of the relationship through space I think for me, it lifted it up so it's not just, okay, yes, the Korean National Theatre doing a pansori.
3: Yeah. And actually, there was just this point which I, I read in, in your review, Elaine, about how all the action is on the of the women on stage and the Greeks are sort of Behind us, uh, and and I mean, I'm not familiar with Sartre's adaptation or indeed the original Mm -hmm. play, is a lot of those scenes actually shown on stage in the original. And was that a conscious choice he made to kind of have them coming at the back of the theatre, coming in almost as if they're intruders and and we're sort of almost implicated in that action. Mm -hmm. The lights come up and all that.
1: Well, there's been so many adaptations and I think that... As a director, you could probably make a whole number of choices. Whether or not Euripides in his original play actually envisioned it that way, yeah. it's hard to say because it doesn't come with stage directions. It's yeah. so old. Probably in you an know, ancient Greek theatre,
0: they would have used the paradoi, the side entrances, rather than coming from behind the audience. Yeah.
1: Possibly. And to be honest, you know, with all the different adaptations, if one actually wants yeah. to study it, I'm sure at many times you know, that have been a mix, a medley of things. Yeah. But the form of pansori itself, I think, actually lends itself particularly to this kind of invisible inversion where the action mm. is happening offstage because the m- movements are supposed to be minimalist. It's all meant to actually focus on the voice and the expression yep. in any case. And I thought that they did that beautifully. So I can't speak to what added or detracted. Maybe we should, it's a good time to talk about Helen.
0: Helen was the one choice I loved. Because I thought about staging the Trojan Women. I work in a in a theatre school. I have to stage plays with students every year. They're mainly females. Trojan Women is always going to be in the mix. But I've always thought, how do you stage Helen? Because she is supposed to be so beautiful that there is no way for the other women to compete. And, and I,
2: Helen was staged by Helen a was male played actor.
0: by a male, a male that, performer,
2: yeah, a yeah, male Angel performer,
0: song, yeah. and that makes it not a difference of degree, but a difference of kind. Mm -hmm. And not only Mm -hmm. did they make that gender change choice, but instead of having the traditional Korean music, they brought in a piano and played a very lyrical and romantic, and it's just like an alien landed, and how do you compete with that? I thought that was the one directorial and, yeah, brilliant choice. Like, I thought that was genius, the only moment of genius in what I otherwise consider, despite your protestations, to be an absolute mess.
2: So, did you have any...
3: I I really liked the casting of Helen um, as well And I think it just perfectly encapsulated that sense of otherness This is the face that launched a thousand ships, right? Mm -hmm. And what better way to kind of, like, accentuate that element of difference There's this almost visceral hatred which Hecuba and all the women have for this woman Mm -hmm. And what better way to encapsulate that than having it as a man, you know?
2: Great point Yeah Maybe on that,
3: finish off with, yes.
2: With that point, maybe we'll say goodbye. And um thank you very much to you. our guests. We could really continue this conversation when for we another have no time. hour, but we don't have any time. Thank you very much, everyone, for thank being you. part of this. thank you.